0: Jim Shoemaker, Steve Anderson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.
1: Helping you make the most of your money. It's
2: time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Welcome to today's program. We've got a great program lined up for you today. I mean, plenty of information, education, and... We'll try to throw in a little entertaining, maybe something to keep just for good measure to keep you interested. We'll be answering your questions and I want to remind you that if you have a question, text them to Jim J I M 9016830989. That's Jim 901-683-0989, or email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We do have a couple of questions we're going to be answering. And so today we're going to talk with Scott Jordan and Steve Anderson, both certified financial planners. They're frequent guest of ours on this program. We're going to answer the question from Jason. He says, should I buy gold? I think that's a great question today. He says, I hear all the commercials, and I'm just not sure what to do. Help me understand, but... First, before we get to Jason's question, we're going to be talking with the president of Aging with Dignity, Mr. Paul Malley, and the topic is advanced care planning. Why is it important? So let me recommend that you pay attention, and we're going to talk about a book that he's got that we want to be sure that you understand how to get it. But Mr. Paul Malley, welcome to the program, sir. Good morning, Jim. It's great to be with you. I appreciate it. Well, you know, we so much appreciate you. You've been a frequent guest of ours, and you always bring great information, especially to those people that are listening that have that, you know, whether we're in that sandwich generation, we're taking care of aging parents and taking care of young kids, or we're preparing for retirement, we're preparing for this second, third, fourth stage of life. And the reality is the point that I think is so important for people to know is Aging with Dignity is an organization that you're the president of that has really put together a lot of material for helping people to plan through this particular phase of life. So let me ask this question, advanced care planning. What does that mean when we say that and you're going to tell us about it?
3: Sure. So in in simple terms, it means making some plans today for what you would want in case of a serious illness in case you're not able to speak for yourself or someone you love, a parent, a spouse, even adult children. You ask yourself, what would what would we want if we were very sick and couldn't make our own decisions? And it reminds me of your opening remarks and thinking about what all of us have in common. And yes, we want to think responsible about our finances and plan for it. And we all want to keep our health. And we're all in the same place if our if we have a serious illness where we want to take good care of the people we love. And oftentimes, most families don't talk about it, don't plan for it. And as a result, it's a lot harder than it has to be. So our focus is on helping people put together a simple plan so they're on the same page and they know what their loved ones would want.
2: Paul, one of the things that I think so many times when we talk about aging with dignity, I mean, all of a sudden that becomes that person who's 70 years and older. And I know in my practice that doesn't have to be the case. You can have someone 30 years old that needs to know what five wishes is is all about. So when we think about that, aging with dignity obviously is important. But what actually when you say... You know, five wishes, and I love your booklet, by the way, folks. If you want to know how to get this, I'll give that to you later in the program. But just one of the first things, person, I want to make care decisions for me when I can't. Well, you can be 25, 30, 35 years old that's a person who may be single, maybe you're, you know, and you end up in a car accident. Who's going to take care of you and make financial decisions if you haven't written that out? Somebody's got to go to the court to get that. So, Paul, talk about that from that perspective. Why is Five Wishes not only important for the person who's 70, but to the person who's 30?
3: That's right. And, and even for the person who's 18, all adults uh, can use Five Wishes. And, you which one is the perfect starting point? Because as you said, it lets you name a trusted person. It could be a close family member or a friend, but somebody who you would trust to speak on your behalf if you can't speak for yourself. And that doesn't mean that you have to be of a certain age or even that you have a terminal illness. It could be because you're in a car accident or you're recovering from a, a, a regularly scheduled surgery. So uh, so these questions come into play, not just for people near the end of life or of a certain age, um, but can come into play for all of us. So it's important, it's helpful for everybody 18 and over, and because of that, it's better to not fill out five wishes on your own. It's a great idea to gather a family together for grandparents and parents and adult grandchildren to have a conversation about this and fill it out together, each one for themselves.
2: You know, I think that's so important. I have something here. Let me read this from Cheryl from Longwood, Florida. I think it's so important. It's what people say about five wishes. It says, it will be a year since my mother passed. We knew what she wanted because she had the five wishes living will. When it came down to the end, my brother and I had no questions on what we needed to do. We had, big statement here, we had peace of mind. You know, Paul, I have, I have, Work with so many people that that didn't happen that way. There was an argument. there was a you know, a dissension in the family because, well, I think Mom wanted, to, oh, I think, Mom, and what you're saying, because someone can have five wishes, and you said, put together, they come together and they all talk about it, everybody is able to move forward. Now we're not saying that if you don't need an attorney, this is just a way to get you started, and this can be a legal document. Help us out with that, Paul.
3: That's right, it is, it is a legally valid document. In most states it requires a signature and two witnesses and we provide all the instructions in the five wishes when you receive it. Uh, and if you work with an attorney, this is certainly something that you would give back to your attorney and ask that it be included in your legal file. Um, but you can fill it out on your own and we were grateful to work with the American Bar Association in the legal review that has made five wishes valid, legally valid in almost all states. And, uh, and you're right, Jim, you were, you, know, you were talking about some of the divisions that can occur within families. And we see this and we hear about it all the time. Often it's from families who contact us and they say, I wish I would have had five wishes. And, and many times these are not families that had divisions early on. Uh, these are families who all love each other and they want to do the right thing for each other. But maybe brother and sister they are well-meaning on what they're trying to decide for mom or dad, but they just have different thoughts and different opinions about what mom or dad would want. That can become a really divisive factor for a family. And it can be avoided by making some simple decisions and by writing it down in a legal document. And that's why we hear from people both on both sides, both saying, I wish I would have done this and also the families that have used five wishes that that really say it was such a gift, a gift of peace of mind, and it changed our whole experience and how we were able to care, especially for our mom and dad.
2: Yeah, the word peace of mind, the words of peace of mind just make so much sense to me. If you just uh, join us, I'm talking with Paul Malley, president of Aging with Dignity. They have a, a booklet called Aging with Dignity. That's the name, Aging with Dignity. If you would like to get that copy of that, you can call one eight eight eight. It's just 888 5 the letter 5 wishes it's 8885947437 or you can go to just go to 5 and, and just just order this is something that every family needs to think about it's not just if something happens to you and, and wish 1 is who's going to you know help me with my finances who's going to make some medical decisions it's literally number wish 2 is my wish for the kind of medical treatment that I want or don't want Those are so critical Wish three My wish for how comfortable I want to be Now that's something I think You know I shouldn't have to say that But reality is sometimes that's important Because you may have somebody Well we don't want to do this We can't do this We shouldn't do this Well here's what mom or dad or sister or brother has said And it's just right there in five wishes Now I know Paul your founder Jim It's Tui I believe It's right it's Tui Yeah and that's right. Jim yep. Toohey, he's yep. written a book and it's called To Love and Be Loved, A Personal Portrait of Mother Teresa. Talk about that book for a second.
3: That's right. And, that's, and, and the story of this book is the story of Aging with Dignity and Five Wishes because Jim, our founder, worked with Mother Teresa for over 12 years. He was her legal counsel and he also lived and worked in some of her homes for the dying and and served as a volunteer, a live-in volunteer, as a matter of fact. And it was that in sp- experience that inspired him to found Aging with Dignity and to create Five Wishes. Mother Teresa, in fact, and he tells this story in the book, asked him, encouraged him to found Aging with Dignity because she saw how important it was and how much our God-given human dignity can be threatened, especially during times of serious illness or disability. So it was his one-on-one personal experience with Mother Teresa that inspired our work that's at the core of Five Wishes. And even in the title of the book, To Love and Be Loved, I, I think that's the core of what unites every single one of us as human beings. It's one of our greatest desires. We we want to love the people around us, our families, to do the right things for them, and to be loved. That's the core. And what we do, and what Jim does in the book, is he tells them incredible personal stories of working with Mother Teresa and and even providing her legal counsel and working with her sisters, but then kind of also translates that to what we can take from it, because our hope is that when we look at the life of Mother Teresa, it's not just an admiration of an incredible woman, but it's rather also inspiration for us, and how we can live our daily lives, especially if we're caring for someone who we love.
2: I like that inspiration, the key. And then, you know when you talk about loving someone and, and the love, and, and wish number four, my wish for how I want people to treat me. And one of the bullet points under this is, I mean, just amazing. And I wouldn't ever think about this. You'd think it would just happen. But you guys have just put it in and just right in front of you. says, I wish to have pictures of my loved ones in my room near my bed. Now, you wouldn't think that would be hard to do or people might not think that that's important. But, you know, I can see how someone at that stage of life just wanting a picture of their loved pictures of their loved ones near their in their, you know, near their bed in the room so they can just think about it. That's so, so powerful when you put that in the perspective of someone at that stage of life. And uh, I wish to have my favorite music played when possible. It when possible until the time of my death. Well, you know, again, I can see maybe for me I'm not going to go there, but I, that can be an exciting time just to hear the your favorite music playing, whether it's box, you know, symphony or Mozart or, you know, um, uh, Loretta Lynn or. whatever. You can yep, tell I'm struggling, but you know what I'm saying. I can understand that.
3: Sure, and sometimes people write in the margins the kinds of music that they want. And actually, I've heard maybe more often people write what they don't want. Yeah, I, can I remember one woman filled this out, and she said, "No harps. I don't want to hear any harps if I'm <laughs> if I'm lying in a bed." And uh, and other people have yeah just written remarks about the kinds of music that they either want or don't want. And some of these things, you know, they can they might sound a little silly, but I can tell you this from the past. 20 years that I've heard about how Five Wishes is used, wishes three, four, and five that talk about personal care and comfort and family relationships and spirituality and love and forgiveness, these are the things that people come back to us and they say, this made all the difference in the world for our family. When a family is trying to care for somebody who's very sick, oftentimes a common refrain that we hear is, I wanted to do the right things, but I wasn't sure what that was. And that can be about medical care, but it can also be about just being at the bedside and holding somebody's hand and playing their favorite music or reading scripture to them based on what their preferences are. And and that's the beauty of Five Wishes too, is that it lets you in a simple way, give some important kind of breadcrumbs to the people who might be caring for you to say, here are some things that are important to me, like the pictures. The pictures, especially people say, they often want pictures of their grandkids near them and we saw this during COVID, right? When people couldn't visit their family members in the hospital. I remember this with my own mom. She was in the hospital and we all got together and we made a poster with pictures of all the grandkids so it could be put up on the wall next to her and uh, and that was her connection with family. So yeah. that's you know just one example of how these little things can make a big difference.
2: 5 wishes.org. that's 5wishes Five wishes.org Or you can call 888-594-7437 Let me read you one more testimony It says, and I quote I don't want my children to have to make The decisions I am having to make For my mother I never knew that there were so many medical options To be considered Thank you for such a sensitive And caring form I can simply fill it out And have it on file for my children that's Diana from Illinois. So, again, it's, a, it's some way of allowing you to not go through the things maybe you don't understand. This book is so well written, so well done. Paul, you guys have done a fabulous job on this, and I, I just appreciate the time we have together. We never have as much time as I want to, to have, but Jim Tui, he's the founder of, of Aging with Dignity. He has written a book, pronounced it like, you know, here's the thought, the to love and Beloved, A Personal Portrait of Mother Teresa. Paul, anything else you want to say to us before we go?
3: I'm grateful to you for providing such great information to your listeners, and uh, we're grateful to be with you again, and remind your, all your listeners that they can get Five Wishes from fivewishes.org, and also more information about the book, at agingwithdignity.org. Both Aging places, with Dignity. information is helpful it. for everybody.
2: Yep, that's Jim Toohey. The book is To Love and Be Loved, a personal portrait of Mother Teresa. Stories of, just packed with stories about what's going on from the founder of uh, Aging with Dignity, Jim Toohey. Paul, it's always a pleasure, my friend. I want to have you back. It's just it's so important. This is fivewishes.org. If you want to know more information, don't hesitate to get into that. Uh, it's just it's just important. And I cannot tell you for any well-rounded financial plan, five wishes, they are simple, easy to do. The testimonies tell you the story. You don't want your children or your grandchildren to have to do something that sometimes can be very painful. Give them an opportunity to see what your wishes are by using Five Wishes. That's fivewishes.org. Paul, have a great day, man. Thank you so much for what you guys do and how you are having such an impact on the people that desperately need Five Wishes. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jim. All right. Okay, guys, this is uh, you know I want to kind of move to the second segment because I appreciate having Scott Jordan and Steve Anderson with me today. We're going to talk about some fundamentals, some time tested fundamentals of investing because we try to keep that in your forefront because we don't want you to get caught up in the noise of the media. But you know, and that happens. I mean, there's no way. It's just it's it's part of the reality of life. But we're also going to dive into some fundamentals about inflation you know, recession. Don't panic. What's going on with the economy? I'll get these guys to dive into what's going on in 2023. But before we do that, guys, what do you think? Mr. Paul Malley just nails it for us every time.
4: I I love the organization. I think that's a great service to people. You know, we we help people through these types of decisions and and help them try to uh, line all that up because it is so helpful to the family to have a document, whether you've gone to an attorney and had those drawn up or you use the five wishes. It's just critical to have All that laid out to the family, for the family, during that difficult time.
2: Instead of having to go find 100 documents or trying to put it out, it does kind of lay it out in a very well-defined, easy-to-understand. It's not not complicated. And so, therefore, I think it's good for people to grasp that from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I think, too, you just think about um, that's one of those topics that's never, well, not never, but it's not urgent until it's probably too late. And so, you know, some of those things that are very important, but not urgent, like Stephen Covey teaches us in, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it, it, maybe you can, maybe we could all create kind of a little sense of urgency. We know we're moving into family season. Great time to get that done. Talk to family about it. It's, it's a great opportunity. So maybe that could create a little sense of urgency for something that really is uh, important for around all of us. Around the
2: holidays, make yeah. it kind of, this is what we're going to do. Gather everybody around, have a conversation. No, I told. I, t- I was just kind of thinking. That, uh, yeah, that'll cheer I can, everybody I up. Could yeah. feel, <laughs> I could see he was pondering that. Maybe we'll
1: come back next month and we'll figure out how to do the icebreaker on how to start the conversation. That's a good right.
2: point. That's a good point. Nobody wants to talk about it. Right. It's a tough. It, it's a it, tough it, conversation. You know, Absolutely. You know, you hear people say, "Oh, I know it's important, but I don't want to put a damper on the holidays," or "I don't." But reality is, as you said, Steve. You put it off and you put it off, it's too late, and then it's not, and you know, make it before it's so urgent, try to get it done. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to get people to understand. That's so critical. Well, when we come back now, I, I want to make sure that uh, I got both of you engaged. We're going to give two things. Well, number one, we're going to talk about what to do in such a downturn of the market, talk about inflation, talk about, you know, the idea behind, it. are we going to have a recession, how big of a recession is it going to be? Some fundamentals, yes, fundamentals for investing, and that's always important. And you guys will dive into that with us and help us out. But also, I we have the question, and, it you know, when Jason sent the question, I think it's, a, it's an honest question. He said, I hear all the commercials and there's more commercials now on television, on the radio, even here on our radio station about buying gold And you know We're not negative About that But he says What do I do I need to understand it Is it important What should I be Prepared to do And I think that's Legitimate all the way So Scott You guys are going To help us with that Steve You're going to Help us with that Answering that question Always gives us Some insight To helping people To make decisions And I remind you If you would like To simply have One of your questions Answered Just simply send it To us here at the station And we will definitely Get that on the air For you Because we want to answer your questions as always and the reality is just simply send it to so at 901-683-0989 if you have a question 901-683-0989 or send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com we're always here to answer your questions so please send that to us we'll be back in just a few minutes so stay with us i'm jim shoemaker this is talk money
0: This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.
1: Helping you make the most of your money. Talk money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.
0: The S&P 500 is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Paul Malley or Aging with Dignity. The views and opinions expressed are those of Paul Malley only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial.
1: Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. I'm talking with Steve Anderson and Scott Jordan, and we're answering your questions. Jason says, Scott, ready? Should I buy gold? I hear all the commercials, and I'm just not sure what to do.
4: Well, I think we see, usually we'll see an uptick in advertisements for gold during times of fear. I think a lot of people look at gold as kind of a place of safety, a place of a store of value. I always hear that it's a great inflation hedge, which I think long-term it is. But if you look at different periods, the story's a little different. So if we go back to the 73, 79, you remember that period, a lot of inflation. But if you look at different periods, you get a different story. We go to Eighty-eighty-four, we're averaging about six and a half percent inflation, and yet gold fell by ten percent a year. Uh, you go to the eighty-eight ninety-one period again, another inflationary time. Inflation about four point six percent a year, gold lost approximately seven point six percent a year. And then, more recently, we go back to December. Gold was sell, selling for over nineteen hundred an ounce, and now it's about sixteen thirty-one. And we've had a lot of inflation. So short term. It's hard to really say that in, that gold is a good inflation hedge. As you as you long you know lengthen out the time horizon, it does become more true.
2: Let's talk about an alternative. Obviously, an alternative would right. be the S and P five hundred. You know, looking at it, what that is. Of course, you know you can't buy into an index. We right. understand that, but the reality is, what would you compare if you are looking at gold to the S and P five hundred?
4: Well, if you look at, let's, let's take a 36-year period going back to about 1986. Uh, over that time period, gold has returned just shy of 4%, and inflation has been around 3% period. And that's that from period. 1986 so, to now. Yeah, so again, if you look at Long that time period. period, you say, well, gold was a pretty good inflation hedge. Now, let's compare that to putting that money in the S&P 500. So gold was $404 back in 1986. It's selling for about 1631 today. Uh, so, but if you had taken that same four hundred four dollars back in nineteen eighty six, and instead of buying an ounce of gold, you put that in the S and P five hundred, instead of having the sixteen hundred dollars a day, you'd have around sixteen thousand. That assumes about a ten percent rate of returns, depending on which index you look at. And now that you know, when you compare those two, you go, okay, which one of those would you rather have? Now, both have experienced a lot of volatility there in those time periods, so it's not like. Gold is this non-volatile asset that you can put money in. And and I just think, again, as part of a well-thought-out asset allocation strategy, gold can be part of that. But I think, you know, when you when you get all these advertisements coming at you, it can be tempting to go, I'm going to pull everything I have and throw it into gold. And I, I just don't think I would recommend that.
2: Okay, well, then some <coughs> portion of a portfolio is, you know, a small portion in in, in- Precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, those things, is that what you're thinking, or or do you buy the bars? Well, yeah, well, I mean, you gotta there, there's a problem. Someplace. I mean,
4: that, there. then you got to store it, and you got to figure out where to sell it. So it gets a little challenging when you buy a physical gold. Now, there are people who are more comfortable owning that physical gold because they can look at it and see it. But I think that again, you know, where are you going to buy that physical gold? And then where are you going to sell it when you need to convert it to cash? So you have to think about all those decisions as well.
1: I think it's also important, you know, as we're thinking about gold or any other commodity, anything like that, any other kind of metal, you know, the way you create any kind of value with this stuff is you got to buy it low and sell it high. So almost by necessity, buying it high is not Ideal, right? Unless you're going to sit here for a really long period of time. Whereas the companies that make up that S and P 500, what those companies are attempting to do is create value out of thin air, right? They, they are they are becoming more valuable as they grow their earnings. So if you're if you just sit and hold the S and P 500 over time, you actually are participating in wealth creation. The only thing of value with gold, we don't, I mean, other than jewelry, I mean, the only real value that gold offers is. If you buy it low and then you turn around and sell it high, so it, it, by necessity you have to trade it, which makes it more of a trading thing than a wealth creation thing, like we typically talk about with the market.
2: So that's a good point. So it's it's part of a portfolio, but it need you need to be careful dumping everything into a gold. You know, I was reading something. We watch the bull bear ratio, and that's something that explain that very quickly. But the bull bear ratio is just simply a ratio that is done by simply looking at the, the, the people that pretty much put it together is the Investors uh, Intelligence Group, and they put it together, and it's just simply tracking what the sentiment is of professionals like us. And so they're saying the bull-bear ratio, one or above, is bullish, and one or below is bearish. And we've just ticked now down to below. It's down to 0.96, below one. So now, when you think about bull-bear ratio, the market's telling us It's a good time to be in the market or get into the market, and yet the media and the advertising say, get out of the market and buy gold. That's how people lose money, and that's what I guess we want to make sure that today that we help other people. We've answered Jason's questions. You guys did a great job with that, but when you look at this... The negative, and yet that ratio is, and it's a pretty good indicator. Now, you know, again, past performance is not a future, you know, guarantee of future performance, but it's a good indicator when everybody begins to get negative, is when the market really is ready, is kind of poised to move up because people begin to see it as a time to buy. And that's what's exactly what you were saying. Yeah,
1: and and the other thing, and, you know, I don't want to be a total cynic, but um, we are pretty deep into political season. So we have some elections coming up here in in a month and a half uh, or a little less than that. And, you know, if you listen to certain, if you listen to like conservative media, you know, this administration has just run us into the ground. I mean, this is terrible. But if you listen to... The, the more liberal media, you're going to hear a totally different story and we're going to be scared about something totally different. And, and so right now there's a lot to be gained about creating fear, creating anxiety, because everybody's got to motivate their voters. So I don't want to say that's entirely responsible for what we're hearing, but I think we have to, you know, approach what we're hearing with open eyes and realize that, that there's some political motivation going on too.
2: I think that's the key that people need to understand. Just don't panic. But we'll we've got a, a actually a PDF that we want to provide for everybody. It's called "Don't Panic." Go to our Shoemaker Financial Facebook page. Search for this document. It's called "Don't Panic." It's free, and and it's just important. You just simply go to the Shoemaker Financial Facebook page. Look for it. Search for it. Don't panic, and we think it'll give you some insight. And, you know, Scott, we want to talk a little bit about that to you, Steve. But, Steve, I want to dive in because everybody now is hearing about how bad inflation. We saw Mr. Powell tick up some things recently. He says, I am going to tame inflation. We want it down to 2%. He's become a little bit hawkish, you <laughs> yeah, might say. Yeah, I think. I mean, the reality <laughs> is he's, uh, you know, one of these uh, just warriors on it. I mean, he's taking it serious, which I think, if you go back, he's reading Volker's book, Back in the 80s, and yeah. I appreciate that because he kind of got hit pretty hard because he called inflation transitory. That that cost him a little bit publicly uh, and media-wise. They beat him up hard for that. So now he's taking a whole different approach. But inflation, Steve, let me start with yeah. you. How serious and how big, if I had to ask you to compare inflation, recession, Let's talk about first inflation,
1: yeah, well, you know, typically those two things kind of go hand in hand they're they're different items, so inflation is an in an escalation of prices it's It's price increases, right, and so as prices increase, it makes it very it makes the dollars that we all have worth less so it it really is. Hurting everybody's ability to, you know, be American and do what we do and spend money and, and operate and function. So inflation is incredibly difficult, really, for everybody. It just makes everything worth less. Um in, in contrast, recession is really a slowing economy. Um, and and that's an entirely different beast. The reality is that inflation's probably gonna lead to recession, but the, the thing I think that the market gets hung up on is the way you break inflation or a and academically, one of the ways you break inflation is to increase interest rates to try to slow the economy, which by definition is recession. So slowing the economy creates recession, but it's also the thing that breaks the back of inflation. And the reality is it, you do not want inflation raging at eight or nine or 10% for long periods of time. That is a bad thing thing for sure.
2: So Mr. Powell is really, that is being hawkish, as Scott says, he has to be hawkish at this point. I was reading from the University of Michigan, that they do a consumer survey, you know, you guys read it, and it says it's uh, slowing, it says, it's kind of showing that the inflation expectations are beginning to decline. In other words, the consumer saying, hey, you know what? We don't feel as much of a pressure with inflation. And I think that's good news for the Fed. I think that's kind of telling him, hey, it's working. And when the consumer is saying that, that's a big, because that's the big spender. That's the ones that are using the dollars, as you said, Steve. They're spending the money. But what about the GDP? I mean, you know, when, or is the GDP, the Atlanta Fed says, yes, it's slowing. They've actually adjusted some of their number, numbers from 2.5. They've actually gone all the way down to 50 basis points. So, when you talk about recession, that's the beginning of a recession, right? Well, yes. You know, so
1: recession, in classic terms, like when we're talking about it, what we're talking about is generally two consecutive quarters of declining growth, right? That, that's what we're talking about. Now, there's actually a group that define that, that officially defines when recession officially doesn't, doesn't doesn't start, but for us, declining growth two quarters in a row. Here's the thing, though. Um, in order to break inflation. We do have to slow the economy. But here's the predicament the Fed's in and why everybody's just got poor Jerome Powell on a hot seat is it does, all the signs, like you said, Jim, all the signs are pointing to inflation is easing. Supply chains are easing. Um, There are parts of the market where demand is easing. Things are looking in the right direction, right? So we're seeing things slow.
2: Okay, but you say that. But if I listen to the news the last two weeks, that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing, you know, the disasters coming. Why is it that we put that out versus what you're saying? Because you're right. I mean, commodity prices are down, dollars soaring. Real, you know, the real GDP is beginning to slow. So we see it. That's bringing inflation. Yes, a recession, but how big?
1: Yeah, that. So this is the predicament right here. So inflation slows. Let's say inflation. Let's say the next time we get an inflation report, it says, "All right, things are starting to cool off." Well, the trick is. If, if inflation just kind of hangs out where it is, it's still really high. I mean, we're up over 7 8%. That's the problem. It's got to come down. The Fed's targets too. But nobody really, how quickly are we going to get to two? And so the, the predicament the Fed's in is when you raise rates, it's going to bring it down. But you'll hear this term, it operates with a lag. You raise rates, it's a very blunt instrument raising rates. It's like killing mosquitoes with a hand grenade. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's it's very mm. blunt. And so when you raise rates, it lags months before you see the effect in most areas of the market. And so the predicament is, how far do you really raise rates to get it to stop increasing, but then to get it to actually start going down and 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 it's a challenge. I mean, there's no way to get it exact or to know exactly how to get it right. And so most of these predictions are um, they're, they're fearing on the side of, well, he's going to raise rates. Well, he, uh, the, the, the uh, open, open, um, market committee is going to raise rates too far, too fast. And, and if they do, it will create more of a recession or more of a slowdown than just that natural, what well, we, the, the, the utopian scenario we hear of the soft landing, right? <laughs> so it's very difficult to do because everything
2: operates with a lag. Yeah, soft landing is great. It sounds nice, but uh, I don't know if a recession that I've ever felt was a soft landing. landing. There is a sense of pain about it. But again, we survive recessions. Sure. And we've thrived through them. There's opportunities through recession. As I said, the bull bear ratio tells us this is a time for long-term investors. Now, if you're short-term, maybe not. But long-term investors, those are people that are putting money in their 401k. Those people that are saving other dollars for retirement- this is a time to buy according to that bull bear ratio. If you look at that, and we do that and understand it, and the reality is it's not what the media is telling you. That's right. And, and
1: we all associate, I mean, there's this association effect that we have. We all associate recession with the most recent version of recession, which was, we take COVID out for a second. It didn't last long enough for us to all like really process it. But when you say recession, what most people think of is 2008, 2009. That was a big one. That was the worst one since, since the Great Depression, to my knowledge. So that's not a fair comparison. Recession doesn't have to be the world's ending and all. I mean, it, does, it doesn't have to be that. It's just slowing down is all that recession really is.
2: It's literally taking the ability to buy off the market because, you know, you're saying, wait a minute, I'm going to let those prices come back. And, you know, if, if you're selling me something today, you're asking me to buy it for $10, and I say, I can't afford it, you know, then you've got to eventually meet what I will afford. And maybe that's eight, maybe that's six, maybe that's five. I don't know what it's going to be, but we adjust in order to continue to do business. That's exactly right. And that's, that's what exactly that's always right. so, so, so important. Inflation, I think I get it. It's not good and we have to tame it. That's right. We have to, which is why you'll hear Powell
1: say in, in a way, you'll hear him say, even if we have to cause a little bit of pain in the economy. We've got to get inflation under control, which is right. That's that. Is at least they're do, they're making the right choice of the war, the two evils.
2: And is that pain with a capital P or a little p? Hopefully, a lowercase. I got you, lowercase p. Okay, all right, Scott. Now here's the thing. He set this up for us in a in a very good way, and it's so understanding that inflation's bad. Powell's got to tame it. But here's the thought. I want to just say, how do we survive? We're in the middle of a market correction. Now we saw the summer take off. We had a bullish run of about 45 to 50 days, and it was just I mean, unbelievable. It just took off. And again, of course, then we had to, you know, again, the bombs, as he's saying, killing mosquitoes. That, yeah. That's exactly right. Shot across the bow. The media took up on it, and boy, the market responded to it. So how do we survive this market correction? Well,
4: you know, and a lot of it, a lot of it is like you said. It's a short-term news cycles type stuff. You go back to the summer rally. Everybody had convinced themselves that the Fed was going to be a little more based on some of the language that uh, Fed Chairman Powell was using, and then he kind of reversed that in September and came out with that very hawkish tone that they're going to do whatever it takes to kill inflation, and that really kind of killed everybody's uh, anticipation that maybe the rate hiking cycle was over. So, um, you know, I think we've got a little more to go on this based on based on what we're seeing, but again, this is all really short term noise that you really have to anticipate as a long term investor. So I think it's always good at times like this to get a little bit of perspective from the past, to really look back and go, okay, have we been here before? I would say the answer to that is a resounding yes. Now, every time it's a little bit different. Um, well, is it Mark Twain that says history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes? And I think there's a, a <laughs> lot exactly of truth right, to that. Right. You know, it's the, the causes are different, but we've been in situations like this before. You and I were talking to a client the other day, and we, we started talking about Y2K. You remember that? Yep. I mean... That was a big deal. That's huge. People thought the world was going to come to an end the next day. The computers weren't going to roar. People were pulling cash out of the banks and not not putting it in in cash in financial institutions. They're putting it in the mattress in at the home. In the tin so can in the backyard. Money's flooding out, the, out of the yeah. system. And then, of course, you know what happens. Uh, looking back, nothing it was really a nothing. And everybody piles that money back into the financial institution. And the Fed had a really challenging time trying to navigate around that. Uh, So, what I'm saying is, we've been here before. Uh, To the long-term, goal-focused investor, this is just short-term discomfort that we have to go go through to get the types of returns we need to meet our goals.
2: So, are you saying, and again, I think this is easy to say. Easy to say. Especially when you're looking at your 401k every day. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you're thinking about oh, and, you, and your emotions get caught up. You turn on the news, and they're telling you that you know the world's coming into. You. I mean, you've got. I had someone the other day said that their some friend was telling them that uh, you know this is the worst we've ever seen it. The you know this is going to create the World Bank was doing. I mean, they just they just a plethora of you know news. And once you look at it, you know you, you can't help but run to the bomb shelter, and uh, hope you've got enough food for last year for 180 days. Well, so. do, you,
4: do you think possibly there were some headlines along that line back during World War II? Trust me. I mean. <laughs> I
2: was not there. I was not there. Well, okay.
4: <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, I mean, I think every time we go through a major crisis, it can feel like it's the worst it's ever been. Now, I do think we have access to news more than we've ever had in history. I mean, we've got our little Computers we're carrying around with us, so we're getting these little, you know, things that pop up on our phone almost by the minute, telling us that things are getting worse by the day. So it can feel like that. And listen, I don't think anybody knows how what it's going to take to break the back of inflation. I don't think anybody truly knows how deep this recession is going to be. But I just like to look back at history and go, okay, we're we're investing in innovative companies the management teams there will figure out a way to navigate through whatever challenging environment we have to go through to get back growing. And I look back through history and I've seen that that has happened. Uh, again, you, you said it earlier, past performance is no guarantee of the future, but that's really all we have to go on. And, and as long as we're a well-diversified investor – that has a long-term perspective, I think if we can keep that through these times and go, okay, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to make you know drastic changes to my portfolio. I'm going to stick with my long-term plan. I think you'll be rewarded for that like you let always me, have. Let
2: me been. say this because I hear what you're saying. Long-term plan, that's critical. If you're a short-term investor, we're, we're not talking to you. We're talking about the person putting Correct. money in their 401k. They're saving money for the home or vacation long-term. It's out right there 5, 10, 15 years. That's the reality. Now, let me say this. Risk and volatility. Give me the thought about the difference between risk and volatility. We only got a little over a minute left.
4: Well, I think everybody invests to someday hopefully get their money back, right? Uh, I think real risk is that money's not there. Uh, Volatility is more like the value goes down, up and down over time, based on market sentiment, news stories, whatever, the worries of the day. Those prices are going to go up and down Uh, but real risk, there's a couple of real risks. I like to. One is the money just absolutely is not there anymore. And I think we can help protect against that by being a little more well-diversified, not putting all our eggs in one basket. And the other risk is we don't hit our goals because we haven't earned the rate of returns that we need in order to have the cash in the future to hit our goals. So those are two risks that you're really uh, two sides of a different coin, but you really have to look at that when you're planning for the long-term and what you're actually trying to accomplish. You're trying to get cash in the future to live in the future, hopefully like you live today.
2: That makes a lot of sense. Steve, your
1: thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think it's also good to be aware of the fact that we all have this bias towards wanting to take action. You know, it's natural. We feel like, oh, we need to do something. That's a great point. Doing nothing is taking action. And sometimes, sometimes you just need to remember that that's an option. Doing nothing is a decision you can make. And a lot of times... It's the best decision. And inflation, historically, is one of those, the best decision is basically to do nothing.
2: You know, you say that, that's that's a tremendous amount because that's controlling an emotion that you've got to fix this. i got to do something. And I think we've told a lot of people, Steve and, and both of you, Scott, that sometimes, you know, you haven't lost money and your portfolio may be down, but you right. only lose it when you sell it and get out and go to cash. Then it's a loss. That's right. You know no, I right. think
4: I think temperament trumps intellect when it comes to investing. You know, we can mm. get out there and kind of look around and think we understand something and know something, but it really it's that temperament, our ability to stay put during time, during these challenging times can really make the difference and, and help us not to surrender to those, you know, natural reactions of wanting to do I something. I got
2: to get
1: that on a t-shirt.
4: Yeah, Temperament I know it. trumps, trump's, trump's intellect. intellect. Oh, I that's like that.
2: Great. Let me just remind you, though, that asset allocation and diversification, as you talked about, you know, does not guarantee against loss. We need to make sure. About it. It's a method used to manage risk, and I appreciate you saying that, but it doesn't guarantee against loss. We know that, and so just understanding that when you do that, diversification, asset allocation, it's just a great tool to manage against risk. Guys, thank you so much. Great program. You've helped us understand inflation, how some money management tips that we need to be sensitive to. Thank you, sir. Great to be here, Jim. Great to be here. Thank you. I want to thank these guys again. Paul Malley, of course, Steve Anderson, Scott Jordan. If you have questions for Paul, Steve, or Scott, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. I want to remind you, too, that you can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And uh, you, if you have questions, uh, type them to Jim, J-I-M, to the text line, 901 683 989 or send them to talkmoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com. And to find a copy of the PDF that I mentioned earlier, don't panic. Just simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document It's in our post. It's absolutely free. Next week, my guest, Scott's going to be back. We're going to dive into some of the bigger issues that people are faced with when it comes to the noise. Daniel Irwin from the Better Business Bureau and Michael Powell. We're going to talk about some things when it comes to just simple planning objectives. That's Saturday morning at 7 and Sunday, 12 noon. Thanks to our producer, Tyler Springs, guest and content coordination by Francis Fordner, production and marketing assistant, Lauren Norsworthy, and our compliance officer, Mr. Tommy Armstrong. Thanks so much for listening. We're here for you every week, helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
0: Jim Shoemaker, Steve Anderson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated
1: helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.